Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 20. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast that features short stories of an atypical nature. Strange stories by strange authors for strange listeners such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. So here's something interesting that I found out about this week that you may or may not know about. The word Drabble, as defined by Wikipedia.com, which is, of course, the ultimate definitive source of all knowledge and undisputable fact. It describes the word Drabble as an extremely short work of fiction, exactly 100 words in length, although the term is often misused to indicate a short story of less than 1,000 words. One of the uh, editors at sams.publishing.com, another great source of diverse fiction for all you listeners and authors out there, contacted me wondering how our guidelines asking for works under 2,000 words might be considered Drabble by the understood definition of the word. I responded by saying, yeah, we're pretty much using the word wrong. Sorry. So to clear things up for people listening and wondering why we call ourselves the Drabblecast, but we aren't technically publishing Drabble, I'll offer the same apology. Sorry. At the same time, though, we may stray a bit from the technicalities of the word Drabble by publishing stories a bit longer than 100 words. I think the spirit of the word Drabble is the same here. It's all about the brevity, baby, testing the author's ability to express interesting ideas in a confined space. Okay, so moving on. We've got a ton of haikus to sort through this week for the haiku contest going on. This week on the website and the Facebook forum, we're going to post the top five haikus, and next week I'll read them on the intro of episode 21. Check out the haiku section on the website http colon forward slash forward slash web dot mac dot com forward slash norm sherman i know that's long it's going to be drabblecast.org in a few weeks so bear with us and go there and vote for your favorite haiku by shooting me an email at goatkeeper at hotmail.com there's some good stuff there for a listing of all the weird and hilarious haiku submissions that we got check out our facebook group what you have to do is go to facebook.com and do a search for Drabblecast. Well, on to today's story, A Day with Daddy, by Brian J. Smith, from Nelsonville, Ohio. Brian's story, The Last Time Together, was published in Shadowland Magazine, and he's currently hard at work on his second horror novel. So, without further ado, A Day with Daddy, by Brian J. Smith. On a drab day in November of 1999, a cheerful-looking man drove his daughter to the grocery store. The freezing winds blew thick tendrils of snow across the main highway 
and slipped stealthily across his front windshield. Beyond the snow was a solid curtain of whiteness, partly concealing the remainder of the highway. He pulled into the lot and parked his rusted blue Honda not too far from the store. He unclipped their seat belts, got out, and stepped cautiously around to the other side. He opened her door for her and picked her up from the passenger seat. There were maybe three or more cars in the lot beside his, but he couldn't see well due to the horrendous snowfall. From far away, the fluorescent lights under the store's evenly flat roof crystallized the snow like diamonds on velvet. He wrapped her inside the muggy black folds of his overcoat and walked up the icy tarmac. He pressed his free hand onto his sock cap to keep it from flying away. He stepped through the automatic sliding doors and secured his little girl safely into one of the metal carts provided. He passed the two cashiers, a nerdy-looking boy with thick-rimmed spectacles and a portly-shaped blonde girl, and faded into the aisles, knowing all eyes were focused on him. It's okay, honey, he whispered in his daughter's ear. If they have something to say, they'll just come right out and say it. His daughter was always very quiet. She never seemed to stop smiling, though, either. He loved it when she smiled. Maybe she knew that, and that was the reason she'd smiled so often. He coasted up and down the aisles, putting items into his cart, and every so often hunched down to kiss her on the forehead. He didn't care what everyone else had to say. He loved his daughter, no matter what. Taking a loaf of bread and placing it in the cart, he heard someone say something across the next aisle. What planet are you from? He looked over and saw a beautiful-looking woman walking toward him. She clutched her purse against her chest, wrinkling her periwinkle blouse and skirt. She kept herself on the other side of the aisle, as if trying to avoid any contact with him. Attracting everyone's attention, he hollered across the store. The same planet you're from, honey. Don't honey me, you freaking weirdo. She gave him the finger and disappeared in the next aisle. Hey, buddy, a strong-looking man replied from behind. Why don't you leave her alone and get your ass out of here? Don't use that language around my daughter. He quickly wrapped his arms around his daughter's head and walked away, whispering in her ear. Sorry you had to hear that, honey. Again, she replied with her patent, pearly-white smile. He glided into the next aisle and stocked up on graham crackers and cookies. He always gave her a cookie when she was good. The trouble was getting her to eat them. He'd always have to clean the crumbs off the front of her favorite dress. He then moved into the frozen food section and picked up a cardboard box of meat and a package of popsicles. He strolled on into the magazine rack, picked up a men's magazine whose front cover promised rock-hard abs in spiky yellow lettering and a coloring book. When he had dropped both these items into his cart, something tapped him on the shoulder. He turned around as if a gunshot had gone off behind him and found a tall, curly-haired man wearing khakis, a crisp white shirt, and a red striped tie. A name tag was pinned on the left front pocket of his shirt, which said in bold white lettering, District Manager.
My name's Chad. Everyone stopped what they were doing and watched the scene unfolding before their eyes. Sure, I need to speak to you outside, please. Why, I'm just here shopping. He peered over Chad's shoulder and saw the woman with the matching skirt and blouse. Besides, she started it. You're crazy, the woman said, jabbing her finger across the air. Ma'am, Chad replied to the woman. I'll take care of the situation. Just go back to what you were doing. You don't tell me what to do. The woman tossed a plastic white basket on the floor, spilling a river of gooey yellow yolk. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm taking my business elsewhere, because if people like him are allowed to shop here, you can take this place and shove it where the sun don't shine. Her eyes were slits of total hatred as she walked out of the store. Why can't you just talk to me in here? The man asked, ignoring the loud chime of the bells above the door. I'll explain everything if you just come with me. I know what you're doing, and you can't do this to me. He swiped Chad's hand away from his shoulder. You're taking away my civil rights. I'm an American, and I have the right to shop anywhere I want to, as long as I'm not creating a problem. But you are creating a problem right now, Chad replied. You're driving my customers away. What do you mean by that? What I'm saying is, you have ten seconds to finish your shopping, pay for your items, and never come back to the store again. Now Chad's nostrils were flaring with anger. If I see you here again, I'll have you arrested. This is ridiculous, the man yelled across the store. He rolled his car to the nearest cashier and paid for his items. He had to get out of here, or he was going to hit that asshole. The portly blonde cashier said nothing as she handed him his change and watched him roll away, mumbling incoherently to himself. Once he was outside, the sun was just starting to rise up and turn a once dreary sky into a beautiful blue. The snow was turning into tiny puddles and was collecting inside the craters embedded in the parking lot. He took his daughter from the front seat of the cart, put her in the passenger seat, and buckled her in. While he put the groceries in the back seat, he could see Chad staring at him through the front doors. With all the anger welled up inside him, he shoved the cart down the once icy parking lot and sent it crashing on its side against the front door, its wheels spinning and swaying. He climbed into his car and fired up the engine. The heat kicked on almost immediately, throwing fistfuls of sweltering hot air into their faces. He reached over in his seat and made sure that his daughter's seatbelt was securely fastened. Then he pulled out of the parking lot and eased into the slow-moving traffic flowing through I-33. In the right-hand lane, a dark blue Ford Bronco passed the man's rusted blue Honda. A brown-haired woman sat behind the wheel. A cell phone was pressed tightly to the side of her face. The little girl in the passenger seat pointed out the window at the Honda as it faded into the rearview mirror. Nearly bolting from her seat, the little girl shrieked, Mommy, did you see that? What, honey? The mother feigned interest in her daughter's question. That guy had a quine Katie in his car, the girl whined. 
All my friends at school say she's the best doll they ever had. Can I get one, please? The mother drove on, considering it. Well, that was our story. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, comment on the website and tell a friend about the Drabblecast. Be sure to check out the top five haikus this week on the website and vote for which one you like the best by emailing me at goatkeeper at hotmail.com. The Drabblecast staff is made up of myself and co-editors Luke Coddington and Kendall Marchman. That's all for this week. Tune in next week for episode 21. And until then, I'm your host, Sally Struthers reminding you that Cabbage Patch Kids and Tickle Me Elmos all around the world need your help. Our operators are standing by. Don't wait another minute. Adopt a Furby today. And laughter and curses spilled like booze from a glass. Words were all slurred when spoke. Yes, words were all splurred when spoke. In the dark corner table. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.